Welcome back. Today we are starting our the conference proper, if you like. And the very first lecture is going to be delivered by um, Sheikh Ja'far Idris. Uh, I think most of us are quite familiar with him. He's a regular speaker at our events. Um, he's come all the way from South Africa. He is the president of the American Open University. Um, had a very interesting career, um, originally from Sudan. And he's going to talk about the very important subject of uh, learning revealed knowledge, inshallah ta'ala. The program starts at 9 o'clock today on time and finishes at 10.15. If he doesn't have enough time to answer questions at the end, we are going to be taking questions later on uh, during the program, inshallah. I have to make some housekeeping arrangements before we get going, unfortunately. Um, it's a, a requirement, I, th I think, for every morning. Um, basically, I have to remind brothers and sisters about the youth program yet again, that if you haven't uh, registered, that will be my next announcement. If you haven't uh, registered for the youth program for your children, inshallah, please do so. We have gone out of our way to put, put together a full-scale program for the two days, including sports and martial arts and first aid course and lectures and guest speakers and all sorts of things for boys and girls. And put a lot of money into that as well. So if you have got a youth, a child, between the age of 8 and 15, they can be kept engaged in a fruitful way for the two days running, inshallah. And I'll free you to actually attend lectures in a much, much more comfortable manner. Second announcement, please do switch off your mobile or at least put them on vibration. So you know it's ringing, but you may need to get out of the hall and then answer the call. If the mobile phone rings, please switch it off. Don't answer and start talking. It does distract the speaker. It does get us frustrated or flustered. It does distract other people as well. And once you break attention for other people, you're actually harming the full benefit they can derive from listening to the lecture. So it is a selfish kind of thoughtless kind of action. So please do switch off your mobiles. And if it does still ring, don't answer it. Just press the button and kill it, inshallah. Lost property, inshallah. If you have any lost property to hand in or to ask for, then it's at the information desk right next to that. The other announcement I have to make, because we don't want to disturb the porters too much, please don't lock your rooms, because you are sharing rooms, and if you do lock your rooms, then others can't get in. And that causes a lot of headache for people who are sharing. And finally for today, um, for the time being, there is going to be a free medical checkup between 2 and 5 p.m., where you'll get general health advice and so forth. Some doctors will come on, on, on board. They'll give you a free blood pressure check and all sorts of things like that and talk to you about heart conditions and things. So if you want to take advantage of that and queue up, it's going to be again right next to the information desk between 2 and 5 today and an added-on feature late in the day. But with a further ado, inshallah, the next hour or so, we have Sheikh Jafar Idris. Jazakumullah khairan. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Inna alhamdulillah, nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'afiruhu wa na'udhu billahi min shiruri anfusina wa sayyati a'malina. من يهدي الله فهو المهتد ومن يضلل فلن تجد له وليا مرشدا ثم أما بعد um, Our topic is learning uh, uh, revealed knowledge and it will be divided into three sections 
The first one is about the method. What is the proper method of learning revealed knowledge, the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet The second is the message that is in this uh, revealed book. And the third is about the relationship between the book of revelation and the book of creation. Uh, the last one is, is a very is a short um, section. So uh, we start with the first one. What is, what is the proper method of studying the book of revelation? Um, I claim that the, just as there is a method of studying nature, which we call the scientific method, there is also um, scientific, if you want to say, uh, or rational method of studying uh, uh, the book of Revelation. Uh, to, do, to, to see this, I, um, I, I, <clears throat> let us make an assumption that someone who is not a Muslim, but who is a very rational person, very serious person, very honest person, he is a believer in the Creator, he heard that there is a book called uh, the Quran and that it is claimed to be revelation from God. And he wants to find out for himself uh, about this. He wants to have direct knowledge of this. What does he do? He gets a copy. He sees he doesn't understand the language. He asks, what language is this? Say it is Arabic. So he says to himself, now, uh, suppose also that he's a scientist. Now he will say to himself, I cannot apply the scientific method um, for, uh, for finding the facts in nature to, to a book. Because when I deal with nature, I am dealing with physical things that can be observed, uh, experimented with, but here I am doing with speech, with words. So the first thing I must, um, uh, uh, I must uh, uh, start with is to understand these words. And to understand them, I must understand them in the language in which they were uh, expressed. So he starts studying Arabic. And... Uh, Let's assume that he masters the Arabic language. He reads the Quran now. He can understand the Quran. Uh, he reads uh, some books of uh, tafsir. Now, someone, a Muslim, let us call him as some people call them modernist, hmm, tells him, this is not the way to study the Quran. Because the Quran is the divine book. And now you are confining the interpretation of that book to an interpretation which was made thousand years ago. The man, who is a very rational person, says, but that was the time when this book made its first appearance. And I want to understand this book as it was meant to be understood by the person who said, it was revealed to him from God. The man says, no, you can't do this, because this is a divine book. And now you are confining in its interpretation uh, 
to a particular period of time. And this is meant to be for all times and all uh, places. The man says, well, I haven't come yet to the conclusion that that book is the word of God. This is what I want to find out. And to find out, I must understand it in the way that it was um, supposed to be revealed to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he says, even if I come to the conclusion that it is the word of God, I will still use this method. Because this is the method, the rational method that we use in understanding all texts. If I wanted to know what Aristotle said, I would go and study the Greek of his time and try to understand his book according to that language at that time. And I will do my best to understand it in the way uh, that uh, his contemporaries understood um, uh, the, the, this book. The man again says, no, but now you are treating the word of God in the same way as you are treating human speech. And the word of God, he says again, is for all time and all, and, and all places. The man says, what is it that's for all time and all places? Is it a message or something else? If it is a message, then that message must be a definite message. It must have content that doesn't change. But if it is not a message, if do you think that uh, the Creator revealed to his prophet just a string of words, and left it for human beings to understand it or to stuff it with um, um, any meaning that they wanted? I don't believe this. So if it is for all times and places, it must have a content. It must be something definite that is that it's suitable for all times and places. But if it changes according to times and places, then there is no message. And any book written by the most stupid human being <laughs> can satisfy that condition. Anyone can write a book and say, um, uh, uh, this book consists of one, two, three, four, five, uh, uh, number 100. Um, you can change it according to the, the, your time and place. And after some time, nothing remains of the hundred points, except the last one. Every people change, number one, number three, number five, according to the times and places. Um, so he says, and, uh, this can't, uh, uh, can't be so. Now, after, and then the person might say also, uh, uh, I mean, this person who is studying uh, the Quran, and he says, I don't think that you, you should do this even with books written by human beings. Because this is self-deception. Hmm? You read what the book says. You understand it. You don't like it. So you give it another meaning, which you call reinterpretation. 
and attribute that to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, you are either deceiving yourself or you are deceiving other people. Um, uh, claiming that what you have said is what the Creator has said. Now, um, suppose that um, he silences this person and then he goes to um, his uh, second step. Uh, he says to himself, if this book is truly the book of God, hmm, then it must be consistent. God does not contradict himself. And he finds a verse in the Quran which affirms what he said. وَلَوْ كَانَ مِنْ عِنْدِ غَيْرِ اللَّهِ لَوَجِدُوا فِيهِ اخْتِلَافًا كَثِيرًا Had it been from other than Allah, you would have found اختلاف, discrepancies, contradictions, of the many contradictions there. He says, yes, I agree with this. And this is a good criterion for uh, judging whether a book is from God or not. Because God does not contradict himself. He does not utter falsehoods and he does not contradict himself. So, um, having learned the uh, verses of the Quran one by one, he now starts comparing them, comparing them. Um, he doesn't find any inconsistencies, but to his surprise, he finds something more than what he was looking for. He finds that this, the verses of this book explain each other. For example, he reads first surah, surah al-Fatiha, <coughs> From his knowledge of the Arabic language, he knows the basic meaning of this. He knows what is the sirat, path, mustaqim, straight. But now he finds in the Quran some more. It tells him what is this straight path. Many verses tell him about the, 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 the path. Again, he knows the basic meaning. But who are these? He finds answers in other verses of the Quran. Who are these? What did they do? Uh, why am I asked not to follow their way? And he reads in the Quran, these were people... Uh, who rejected some of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to them, who corrupted uh, their book, um, uh, among whom there were uh, divisions, uh, and so on. And uh, the Quran is telling us, uh, remember this when you read Surah Al-Fatiha. <laughs> when you read Surah Al-Fatiha, when you read غير المغضوب عليهم والضالين, remember what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about al-maghdub alayhim wal-dalleen in the Qur'an and try to avoid uh, their way. No, don't just say, Saghir al-maghdub alayhim wal-dalleen. Who are, what is the Surat al-Mustaqeem? Who are the people whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking you to follow their way? Uh, uh, who are al-maghdub alayhim wal-dalleen? Answer answers to all these are to be found um, in the Quran. Now, then, 
uh, he takes the third step. He says, um, if this book was really revealed to, to Muhammad, and if according to the book itself, Muhammad was um, entrusted with the task of explaining it by his uh, words and by his deeds, then I must look into the sunnah uh, of, of this prophet and, and see to what extent it is consistent with um, uh, the Quran. He reads uh, the sunnah, he gains more knowledge again of the, of, of, of the, of the Quran, and, uh, and then he discovers that, uh, in fact, the method that he, uh, he employed was the method of the great Mufassirin. Um, because all these Mufassirin uh, used to say that the best way of interpreting the Quran is by the Quran itself, and then by the Sunnah of the Prophet. And thirdly, by um, the words of the companions of the Prophet. Uh, and all this is something that's very rational, because even the third one, um, uh, the, uh, the words of the companions of the Prophet. Why? Because these were the people um, in whose uh, mother tongue the Quran was uh, expressed to the Prophet Muhammad. These were the people who learned the meaning of the Quran from the Prophet Muhammad. So it is only natural to give their understanding priority over uh, understanding of uh, uh, later generations. Now, fourth, uh, now let us assume that this person becomes a Muslim. Now, he, he accepts Islam. What does he now do? Uh, now he has basic Arabic knowledge of the Quran. He knows the meanings of all the words and so on. Um, he read, uh, compared the verses of the Quran. He read the Sunnah. What does he do now? Many people think when I tell them that uh, this basic knowledge has to be gotten from uh, the, the tafasir and so on, they say, do you mean there is nothing that we can add? There is, no, there is much you can add. But you don't add to the basic meaning of the, of the Qur'an. Because if you change the basic meaning, then you will not be reflecting on the Qur'an. You will be reflecting on something else. So now you know, you know the Qur'an. You can spend all your lifetime after this uh, pondering over the verses of the Qur'an, comparing this verse with that verse, uh, trying to find solutions, for, for, for conceptual and practical problems in life, um, in the Qur'an, and so on. This will be uh, yeah, a, a lifetime, uh, a lifetime uh, study of, uh, of the Qur'an. And, 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 and it was in this way that uh, our great uh, ulama studied uh, the Qur'an and the sunnah of the Prophet They didn't just learn the Qur'an by heart, and uh, learn the basic um, meanings and forgot about the Quran. No, to to, to uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala said, "Hal and he, he he urges us to ponder over the Quran. And you can do this even when you read the Quran in translation. 
Don't confine yourself to just one translation because you will be uh, understanding the Quran only in the way that particular person uh, understood it. Read more than one, uh, uh, than one translation uh, and think about the Quran. And you can ask yourself even um, if, if a verse seems to you to contradict with another verse, don't be afraid. Don't, because this is your problem. You are not saying that there is contradiction in the Quran. You are only saying, it seems to me, eh? just like, uh, again, I compare uh, a scholar of the Quran with a natural scientist. If, if he finds that uh, uh, something uh, goes against the law of gravity, he will not say there is something wrong with nature. <laughs> he will say to himself, there is a problem that I, I have to solve. Hmm? And, and he tries to solve the problem. So read the Quran as, as if you are reading any of your university or school textbooks and try to understand, to, to, to ponder over it, to ask um, uh, questions. There is no uh, harm in asking um, questions uh, so long as you are asking only to understand and not to uh, object. Uh, <clears throat> now, the second, um, uh, our second uh, topic is uh, the message of the Quran. Uh, you know most of this. I don't want to, um, <clears throat> to talk elaborately on this. I want to um, only to highlight some of the, uh, of the points. Uh, so I said here, no careful student of the Quran, <clears throat> like the person we have um, just uh, assumed, can fail to realize that it has a basic message on the basis of which uh, it builds the particulars of a complete uh, way of life. That message is that only the one creator should be worshipped. That is the basic message. And then a whole edifice of uh, a way of life is based on that, uh, on that message. Uh, what, there is something that, is, uh, that the Quran uh, and the Sunnah emphasize. And uh, unfortunately, uh, many of us um, are not aware of this. That every, every good thing in, the human, in, in, in us as human beings, in our nature, is related to Tawheed. I am not saying Muslims. Every human being. See, our rationality, our moral values, our aesthetic taste, all these are related to, uh, uh, to Tawheed. In fact, Tawheed is the bulwark of everything that is good in the human being. If you worship none but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you become, you realize your humanity, you become really human. Um, if you deny it completely, then according to the Quran, you become less than an animal. Hmm? Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he sends his prophets to uh, teach people uh, not to worship, none, uh, to worship uh, not to worship anyone but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they don't just tell them, worship Allah. They explain to them what Worship means, what does it consist in? And 
That is our biggest problem in the Muslim world now. This is our biggest problem. There are things which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described as acts of worship which are to be dedicated or addressed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only, but perhaps the majority of human beings, of, of people who call themselves Muslims, commit acts of shirk relating to these. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, says that if you have tawheed, you don't love anyone as or more than you love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It doesn't say you don't love anyone. You love your wife, and hopefully. <laughs> and you love your children. You love... Uh, and, uh, but you should not love anyone more than or as you love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No supplication to be made except to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No, the help of no one should be invoked except that of uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No one should be obeyed absolutely except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So why do we obey the Prophet sallallahu absolutely? Because Allah told us to obey him. Because Allah said that whatever he tells you is what I am telling you. So we are not obeying the Prophet sallallahu uh, in the sense that we are worshipping him, but because Allah told us that whatever he tells us is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, is telling us. That does not apply to any other human being. Uh, so uh, this uh, applies also to uh, matters of legislation. No one has the right to legislate for people. No companion of the Prophet, no imam, no ruler, no majority, <laughs> no dictator. No one has the right to legislate for people. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has that right. When we legislate, we legislate within the confines of Allah's legislation. But now you can see many of us commit acts of shirk in this, in this respect. Uh, now uh, the question of democracy is becoming uh, very uh, popular and uh, many people are saying, yes, there is no contradiction between Islam and democracy. Uh, Islam is uh, democratic and then they talk about the shura and, 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 and shura has nothing to do with democracy. Uh, it has nothing to do with democracy. And shura is not our system of government. It is only one part of the system of the government. It is not. Uh, so when, when we talk about democracy, just a few words, uh, we have to distinguish between democracy as a principle and democracy as it is practiced, uh, mm -hmm. as, as, as uh, the form that it takes uh, in a particular place, like Britain or the United States or so. Democracy as a, as, as a principle is not accepted by any believer, what, what, whether they are Muslims or non-Muslim. Because democracy as a principle says that ultimate sovereignty is the people. And in fact, not all the people, or the majority of the people. And not all the majority, but the majority of those who vote. Hmm? So no one 
whether he is uh, Jewish or Christian or Muslim, uh, believes this. Because now you are putting uh, what you call the majority in place of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, when you come to democracy as it is practiced, yes, there are many good things in it. Many good things in it. Uh, it is, yes, the people have the right uh, to choose uh, their rulers, and they have, don't have to choose them in the way that they are chosen in Britain or the United States or so. Uh, there must be rule of law. People must be equal uh, in, in front of the law, um, and so on. There are many uh, values in democracy that uh, are accepted in Islam. But that doesn't mean that Islam becomes democracy or democracy becomes Islam. In fact, in my opinion, no one now believes in democracy. Because what is the most popular democracy now? It is what is called, uh, what is your democracy here? Liberal democracy. Liberal democracy. What is liberal democracy? Liberal democracy says <clears throat> individuals have certain rights that not even the majority <laughs> has the right to deprive them of. That's why some people said there is a contradiction in liberal democracy. On the one hand, you say people are sovereign. On the other hand, you say that sovereign doesn't have the right to do this or do that. So no one, in fact, believes in, 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 in democracy as rule of the people in any absolute, uh, absolute sense. And, uh, of course, uh, it goes without saying that that applies to Muslim Muslims. Now, I said that uh, Tawheed uh, is linked with uh, the best thing in human beings, especially moral values. And I would like uh, to say a few words about this because uh, many of uh, our brothers, especially some of us who call ourselves uh, Salafis, um, uh, misunderstand this. Some people, for example, say that the Prophet ﷺ spent 13 years in Mecca telling people about nothing except Tawheed, which is not true. <laughs> It's not true, <laughs> and I will show you why. Uh, this was not the sunnah of the Prophet, and it was not the sunnah of the Prophet before him. Because Tawheed is very much linked with those uh, good things in the human heart, especially moral values, and the way uh, you should treat people. Every Prophet, when he comes to his people, he starts by inviting them to worship none but Allah. But then immediately, he links this with some of the moral values, except the ones that, and especially the ones that he feels or he knows that his people are most in need of. For example, um, Shu'aib. He invited his people to worship none but Allah. But then he told them about what, do you remember? Shu'aib, what did he tell them? Huh? Yes. His problem was economic. <laughs> and he told them that to be fair in dealing uh, in economically with people, what was Lot's uh, problem? Moral one. 
homosexuality. What was uh, Moses' problem? Political. He asked Pharaoh uh, to free the Israelites. Now, the same thing with Prophet Muhammad But um, in, what Prophet Muhammad invited people to was more comprehensive. Uh, I'll give you some examples from the seerah and then we'll go to the Quran. The seerah. There is someone called Amr ibn Ambasa. Uh, in some of the books it is um, incorrectly written Abasa. He's Ambasa. This man is very uh, strange. He said, I, I was all along convinced that there was something wrong with um, us worshipping idols. So when he heard about the Prophet, he wrote his she Kamil and went, and uh, it's a long story, but and anyway, ultimately, he met the Prophet. And uh, he asked him, who are you? The Prophet said, um, Nabi. He said, uh, what is Nabi? <laughs> he said, Allah sent me. With what did he send you? You know what the Prophet said? He said, Kasr al-Asnaam, wa silat al-Arham, wa an yu'bad Allah wahda. Now, and this man, according to him, some people say perhaps he was mistaken, he believes that he was the third person to accept Islam. Because when, uh, according to him, when he met the Prophet and he asked the Prophet, who is with you? The Prophet said, a slave and a free man. <laughs> Only. He, say, he told the Prophet, I am with you. The Prophet said, you can't do this now. You see the situation in which I am, so go back to your home. And when you see that uh, Allah has given me victory, you come. So the Prophet knew that uh, he will ultimately be, be victorious. And so he went back to his home and started asking about the Prophet until he knew that the Prophet migrated to Medina, so he went and met him. Uh, the point is that the Prophet ﷺ told him about Silat al-Arham. You know the word Silat al-Arham? Uh, to, how do you translate that? To, be, huh? to, nah, to, yes, to be kind to your uh, blood relatives and so on. Ja'far uh, ibn Abi Talib, when he uh, migrated with some uh, companions of the Prophet to, uh, to Abyssinia. And Najashi asked them, what does Muhammad invite you to? Um, please, uh, inshallah, go and, and, uh, and check this. In, 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 any, in any of the uh, popular uh, books of Sira. You, you know what he told him? Okay. He told him about the fact that uh, the Prophet ﷺ uh, tells them to worship none but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But then again, he talked about Sirat al-Arham. Hmm? Uh, he talked about uh, that the fact that the Prophet ﷺ told them not to kill uh, people, not to commit murder. And he told them about the fact that uh, the Prophet told them not to eat dead animals, and so on. This was very early in... in, in in, uh, in the history of Islam. And you know the story of Abu Sufyan when he met uh, Heraclitus, was he? No, no. At that time, Abu Sufyan was not, uh, was not a Muslim. But um, when 
this man asked him about the prophet's uh, message. Again, he mentioned, mentioned some of these things. So this was something that is very well known, that the Prophet ﷺ, like the prophets before him, did not only invite people to, uh, to, to worship none but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but he invited them to do things that are required by this worshiping of none but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, especially things that have to do with their uh, relations with, uh, with, uh, with each other. Uh, in the Quran, in the Quran, I, I was, um, I, I was يعني, saying to myself just a few years ago, I told uh, some of the brothers in the United States, I don't know why we neglected something that is repeatedly mentioned in the Meccan, in the Meccan surahs. And that is to take care of poor people. This was part of the, of the da'wah, should be part of the Salafi da'wah. مَا سَلَفَكُمْ فِي سَقَعُ قَالُوا لَمْ نَكُمْ مِنَ الْمُصَلِّينَ وَلَمْ نَكُمْ نُطْعِمُ الْمِسْكِينَ What was it that plunged you in hellfire? They said, we were not among those who pray, and we were not among those who feed the poor. And you read in Surah Al-Balad, فَكُّ رَقَبَ أَوْ إِطْعَامٌ فِي يَوْمٍ ذِي مَسْغَبَ يَتِيمًا ذَا مَقْرَبَ أَوْ مِسْكِينًا ذَا مَتْرَبَ Again, with, with Tawheed, Allah is mentioning here that the good road that leads you to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to feed a poor person, except in a time of um, famine, and especially if he is uh, a relative of, uh, of yours, and to free slaves. All this was in Mecca. You can go, inshallah, and read uh, these Meccan surahs, and you find for yourself how Tawheed was always linked with, this, uh, uh, with this, uh, these moral values and the importance of uh, treating people in a nice way. And inshallah, uh, you will do this in this country. Don't just uh, uh, ask people to worship none but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but tell them also about these, uh, uh, these moral values. Um, why? It seems to me this is because these moral values are very much linked with Tawheed, and it seems, and I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not quoting now Quran or Sunnah or the Prophet, that when you invite people uh, to be merciful, to treat their relatives nicely, and so on, because all this is linked with Tawheed, you arouse in them perhaps this uh, feeling of worshipping none but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So just as they are good in themselves, they are also um, um, a better way of inviting people to, uh, to, to Tawheed. Now, my f uh, last uh, 
short uh, topic is the relationship between uh, book of revelation and book of uh, of, of creation. Um, if you have um, pens and pencils, uh, take this just as a test. <laughs> uh, the first point is that both the book of revelation and the book of creation are accepted in Islam as authentic sources of knowledge. Now, give me evidence from the Quran for this. Book of Revelation, there is no problem. <laughs> Book of Creation. Is there anything in the Quran which uh, confirms the fact that the world is a source of knowledge and that the knowledge that we get from the world is, is very authentic and must be accepted by Muslims? Second, the only way to acquire knowledge, whether knowledge of wahi or knowledge of nature, is by the senses and the mind. Wallah, I, I give you here uh, one verse. Uh, when Allah brought you out of the wombs of your mothers, you came out knowing nothing. Then how do we acquire knowledge? He said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَجَعَلَ لَكُمْ He appointed for you السَّمْعَ وَالْأَبْصَارِ وَالْأَفْئِدَ uh, mind and the senses. He mentioned the most important senses, but the other senses are mentioned in other uh, verses of the Quran. So we cannot, there is no way for us to acquire knowledge either of religion or of the world except by these three. Uh, some people mm, confuse what I call source of knowledge with the means of acquiring knowledge. The sources of knowledge are the Quran and nature. And creation. Creation, to, to, to include human beings. The Quran and creation. How do we get knowledge from those sources? By our senses and our minds. Some people confuse this and they say, that the sources of knowledge are the wahi, the senses, and reason. No. So the wahi is not like the senses. The wahi is the source of knowledge. It is not a means of acquiring knowledge. It is, it is, you need a means to acquire knowledge from uh, the wahi. Third point. <clears throat> every verse of the Quran is an ayah. Huh? And every Created thing is also an ayah. These are the created ayahs, and these are the spoken uh, ayahs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, fourthly, <clears throat> we are urged in the Quran to ponder over the spoken ayahs, just as we are, again, we are urged to ponder over the created um, ayahs. Fifthly, 
revelation tells us about creation. Now, does creation tell us about revelation? Yes. Uh, you can know much about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by pondering over his creation. سنريهم آياتنا في الآفاق وفي أنفسهم حتى يتبين لهم أنه الحق. Thirdly, sixthly and finally, the Quran consists of verses relating to particular matters. Don't drink wine, don't gamble, don't do this. But there are in the Quran general principles under which these particulars can be subsumed. The same applies to nature. There are particular facts, but there are also what we now call um, laws of nature, general laws, which explain those <coughs> particular facts. Um, <coughs> uh, I, yes, I, I think I added uh, something here, that uh, there is something very strange in the Quran, and it's strange because uh, people don't pay much attention to that there is a very close relationship between rationality and piety. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes those who worship him sincerely as being the people who think, the people who are rational. Those are the people whom Allah guided, and those are the people who have albab. Albab, um, you can say mind, reason, and, uh, and so on. And there is no verse in the Quran. Yani I checked this several times since I was very young. There is no verse in the Quran, or the, and no hadith of the Prophet, which says that someone went astray because he used his mind. Nothing. The Quran says, talks about hawa. Hmm? Hawa means just mere desire or what you like. This is different. There is a difference between hawa and aql. Uh, uh, and in fact, uh, according to the Quran, it is the people who la yaqilun who are the kafirs and not the, not the Muslims. But unfortunately, we have become influenced by the, some um, Christian thought uh, that makes uh, a uh, <coughs> dichotomy between faith and reason. We don't have this at all. When you say this is a matter of faith, meaning that reason has nothing to do with it. But according to Islam, true faith is faith that is based on knowledge. That is based on knowledge. And uh, so. <laughs>
Do you want me to read it or do you want to read it? Okay, okay. i read it. Okay, the first question is, is religion a sign of weakness? Your question is a sign of weakness. What do you mean by religion? If it is true religion, if it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it can't be a sign of weakness. In fact, uh, to reject the truth is a sign of weakness. Now, it says, Tawheed rejects asking other than Allah. What if I say, O oh Allah, I ask you to accept my supplication for the sake of uh, looking at the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, is this against Tawheed? Yeah. It depends on what you mean by this. If you ask Allah subhanahu wa taala by your love for the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, by your faith, iman in the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, then it's okay, because. Uh, to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by some of your deeds is uh, legitimate. In fact, this is what you should do. Uh, if you want to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala about something that is very important, it is better first to say, just as uh, Allah teaches us in Surah Al-Fatiha, just be before we say, al mustaqim, we say, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Maliki, Yawmiddin, then we say So if you start by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Praising the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam And then asking Allah That is the proper, proper way Now He says you forgot to mention making sacrifices They can only be made with the name of Allah Yes, of course um, I didn't mention everything Says, yes, it's true. I didn't mention everything. There are many things that I didn't mention. No. No. Uh, there are many post-9-11 who, under the pressure to prove our British identity, have suddenly urged us to fully involve in the Kuffar political system, not just to lobby, which, may, which many thought was okay, but to vote for the Kafirun, political parties, etc. What do you say about this? I say it is okay. You are not voting for them because they are kafirun. Hmm? You, if you choose to live in this country, and, and many people ask me this question, I, I find it strange. You choose to live under the kafirun. Hmm? But then you say, I don't want to get involved in their political system. Why do you come here? If you, if you believe that these are the kafirun, don't leave it. As someone said, uh, I can buy yani, a house or so, home um, with riba, because this is the kafirun yani, home. I said, 
Why do you want to buy a house in the Kafirun, um, in Dar al-Harb? Why do you want to do this? This is a contradiction. But the cause of this is that unfortunately, as I, uh, I mentioned briefly, we have come yeah, to serve, become, it has become our and you understand religion in such a way that it has nothing to do with reason. But the truth is that reason is part of the religion. The less reason you have, the less religious you are. <laughs> if you think about the main objectives of, of, of your religion, what is the main objective? The ulama summarized it in this word. It is to increase the good and decrease the evil. So if I find myself in a kafirun environment and, uh, and, 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 and they give me the chance to increase the good in that society or decrease the evil, then I should do that. If I am living in an area um, uh, in which only Christians and Jews and even some atheists are different, and they ask me to come and cooperate with them in uh, doing something against uh, abuse of drugs. I won't say, you know, because you are Jewish, I don't want to do this with you. Because they are asking me to do something which, from my Islamic point of view, is something good. In fact, I would uh, view them as helping me to do something which I should uh, help, uh, do anyway. Uh, also remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala judges people by their intentions. He doesn't judge you just by the kind of action you do. If I uh, take part in elections or join uh, a certain uh, uh, legislative house or so, with the intention of increasing the good, decreasing the evil, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inshallah, will reward me. Now. Um, in your last statement, true faith is faith that is based on knowledge. No. Does this imply that faith without knowledge is false faith? It is. Because then anyone can claim anything. Well, what, what is the difference between uh, true faith and, and false one. Anyone can claim anything. Hmm? And you see, people used to worship idols and believe that um, they benefit them and they harm them. Perhaps if um, they adopted this kind of logic and you ask them, why do you worship idols? They would have said, this is a matter of faith, don't ask me. Hmm? Yeah, we don't say this. One of the points that perhaps I forgot to mention is that one of the characteristics of this religion of Islam is that it gives you evidence, rational arguments for all the fundamentals of the religion. All the fundamentals of religion. Is there a creator? Yes, for this and this reason. Is that creator one or more? One, for this and this reason. Only that creator should be worshipped for this and this reason. Muhammad is a true prophet of, of, of Allah. 
for this reason. The Quran is the true word of Allah for this reason. If you accept all this, then, and even some, some other points, like, uh, why, why do we say that Allah has no children? There is, Allah gives us arguments. How can he have a child seeing that he has no wife? If you call him father, father doesn't give birth to a child. Where is the wife? If you say Mary, then what is the relationship between Mary and the father? It's a problem. Uh, the Quran says also, he's a creator. How can he be creator and father at the same time? If he is a creator, then everything other than him is created by him. What about Jesus? If he is created, he is not son. If he is son, he is not created. And by the way, it was not only the Christians. The Arabs used to have a belief that is worse than the Christians. Um, they used to believe that um, all the angels are the daughters of Allah. So it is not only one person. <laughs> so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, uh, this, I mean, this can't be so. This can't be so. No. no. You mentioned uh, using intelligence. How do we understand taqlid? Are there different levels? Taqlid? Yeah. Avoid taqlid as much as you can. If you ask me, and what is the main cause of the deterioration of the Muslims, I would say taqlid. Taqlid, following blindly. This was not the case at the time of the Prophet ﷺ. People used to go to the Prophet because he is a Prophet of Allah. They know why they listen to him. They know why they obey him. After the Prophet ﷺ, they did not have any mazhabs, any turuq, any sects. and Everyone was free. Huh? Their relationship was, as, as a community was only with their ruler. And the ruler was, the, 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 the principle was, we obey you so, so long as you obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then things began to change. People who called themselves Khawarij had their own leader. And they used to follow him. Then they divided among themselves. Then came the Shia. They also obey their imam. Then the Mu'tazila and so on. But... All the time, people used to follow, the majority of the people used to be Ahl Sunnah. And that is why Imam, Mali, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal used to say, Baynana wa al If you want to see, to see um, who has the biggest following, see what happens when some of us or some, one of you dies. Al-Janaiz, Baynana wa al but then things deteriorated more, and uh, all, almost all the Muslims became muqallidin, and the taqlid went to the extent of um, saying that uh, you have to be in the presence of your sheikh like a corpse, mm? in the presence of someone who is washing it. 
And that was, even the Prophet did not tell his, his companions to do this. They used to ask him questions. And, and uh, why this, why that? And he never said, I am a Prophet, don't ask me any question. So when, when the Muslims became muqallidin, all of them, they closed um, uh, their minds and not only in matters of religion, but also in worldly matters. This was the, the time was ripe for other people to come and conquer them. And what happened, yani, strangely, is that at this time when taqlid became yani, the rule in the Muslim world, this was the time when Europe started to wake up <laughs> and to go against taqlid. But unfortunately for us, even when we were conquered and some of us uh, left the religion and became secularists, you know what they did? They became muqallidun of the West. So we went from one taqlid to another world. And so the only, <laughs> the only way you can save your ummah, whether here or any other part of the world, is by being independent. Going to the Quran, the Sunnah of the Prophet, uh, respecting ulama, learning from them, but not following any particular person other than the Prophet uh, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Um, there are I'm two, sorry for So there are two questions here um, regarding Darfur. It's not oh. quite connected to the subject, but... Uh, I leave them for the... Well, I think we might not get time, I think, perhaps, okay. so it won't take advantage of your presence. As a Muslim, I am uh, confused about how to perceive the oppression of my Arab brothers against black brothers in Darfur. And this, this person says it's out of topic, Sheikh Jafar, but please tell us, make it clear for us about the conflict in Darfur. Um, first, there is a conflict. And it has been uh, there for years, perhaps more than a hundred years, among these, uh, among these tribes. But it has nothing to do with this. This is what the West is telling you. It has nothing to do with color. I am sure that when Anan and, Anan and uh, Paul went to Darfur, they couldn't distinguish between the Arabs and the non-Arabs. Because they were all black. And especially judging by um, <laughs> American standard of blackness. They were all black. <laughs> it has nothing to do with ethnicity. Because many of these people who are called the Africans, many of them are in the Sudanese army. Some of them are in the government. Many of them are in the ruling political party. And they never formed any party of their own, even at uh, earlier times when there was democracy and there were national parties, they used to join this party or that party or that. So it is not something that is Arabs against uh, Africans or so. Uh, I told some people in South Africa who asked me about this, I said, yeah, he, the Sudan is now making peace with Garang, who has no drop of Arab blood in him. Hmm? 
And this man might now become the vice president of the Sudan. How can uh, say about uh, people who do this that that they fight people because of this? Uh, So there is a problem. And the problem is started because some of these uh, brothers who are called uh, Africans, they formed an organization for the liberation of uh, the region. And they started by attacking some government uh, buildings, burning some uh, airplanes in the, in, in the airport, and the government responded. It seemed, but I'm not sure, that the government sought the help of um, their adversaries or enemies. And these people, the others, went to extremes. No one approves of what they, they did. They did burn villages, and, and a friend of mine told me that um, his village was burned down completely. But in spite of this, he was not with, with the rebels, because um, he knows some of the motives behind uh, the, uh, that re- uh, rebellion. So the, there is a problem. There was fighting. Uh, villages were burned down. But this has nothing to do with ethnicity. And it was not, as they, sometimes they say in the West, that it was orchestrated by the government. Why would the government uh, do something like this? When their governments do something like this, No. Do you do you do you know the, the uh, what happened in, in 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 Texas in a town called Waco? No. You know what happened? They burnt them. Burnt all the people, seventy of them, men, children, and 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 and, and women. But no one said that the government did this or that condemned the government because the government confessed that um, Clinton government did this. Uh, so if you want to help um, your people there, help them by uh, help them materially. Because the president of the Sudan said, um, I admit that this, I mean, the whole Sudan is, is a poor country, but this, this uh, region is poorer than uh, other countries, other regions. And he said that this is not my fault. This is something which I inherited. And he went on to say that when he came to power, that there were, there were only two schools in this region. He said that now there are 200. And there were no universities at all. Now there are three. There were no airports. Now there are, I don't know how many, two or three. And he said it's strange that at the time we started taking care of this region and trying to develop it, all this happened. Uh, it has to do something to do with the fact that uh, the government is somewhat Islamic. Uh, I think we might have time for just one more. Um, this is from the pile of questions that came from the sisters. As I said, we'll try and answer as many questions as possible on Sunday night. But I just picked up the very first one without going through the pile, so, and this happens to be the one. It says, some brothers believe it is acceptable to take from non-Muslims, for example, steal, be violent, as they think this was a practice of the Prophet wasallam, taking booty and loot. Your comment on that? Yeah, yes. Someone asked me 
Why would Someone asked me a question like this in the Islamic Center. Is it, is it uh, halal to do this? I said, yeah, I suppose that like it was halal. Do you expect me to say this in the Islamic Center? In the center of London? Huh? Don't you think? And someone said also, booty. I said, stealing is not booty. Stealing is something mean. Hmm? If you want booty, just ride your horse, take your gun, attack, uh, what do you call it, uh, number, what? Ten down the street. <laughs> take your booty from there. But to steal, I asked someone, what is their, your main job here in, the, in this country? What is the main job of the, of the Muslim? He said, to make da'wah. He said, okay. You sit beside someone and you tell him Islam is a good religion and, 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 <laughs> and when he goes home he doesn't find his wallet. <laughs> no. Yeah, we were talking about moral values. You can't talk about Tawheed without talking about honesty. Hmm? You can't talk about Tawheed without talking about honesty, honesty about taking care of uh, poor people, weak people, helping them. You cannot talk about Tawheed without talking about fulfilling your promises and, uh, and, and so on. If, you, if people associate Tawheed, and I felt very sad when... Um, your Lord uh, yesterday said uh, what he said about uh, I never I never thought this but do you think that if someone hears about this um, he will be encouraged to be Muslim no I think we'll um, call it a day there and resume again at 10.45 please do come back on time we are keeping to the schedule so a small break now for half an hour Jazakumullah khair and thank you